right. Are we read day? Yeah. Whenever you are ready, to... Jeff. <laughs> okay, but why was I why was I about to have us start doing the clap? It's like we started doing know. a different way of starting up so that we don't have to do the claps anymore. You did it, Jeff, not me. It, you know what it was? It's because we were doing Alohomora yesterday and they still do the claps. Sweet oh. Beastie, I think, still does the claps. So everybody else. Yeah. They're still doing it that way. Puffcast, we still do the claps. There reporting, we go. Reporting that from Mel and I recorded yesterday. So can confirm. Welcome to Into the Fold, a show where two best friends share their love of Lee Bardugo's Grishaverse chapter by chapter. I'm Jeff. And I'm Juliana. And this week we are finally getting to the end of Rune and Rising. And now the end is near. And so I face the final chapter. Oh, that was Chaz. I was like, I was like, I feel like there were different words there. No, I can't, I can't do the whole song. I don't, I don't know all the words. Yeah, true story. Now I brought up that song, so I have to tell you this because I don't think I've ever brought it up. Okay. So one night, a friend of mine invites me to this karaoke event that was happening in town, but it was a little bit different because they were trying to raise money. I do not remember what the cause was. Though it sounded excellent when they told me about it. I'm sure of that. Mm -hmm. So what they did was, it was, um, I forget how they referred to it. I think they said it was karaoke roulette, but that doesn't sound right either. But anyway, Mm -hmm. the deal was, you don't just get up and do karaoke. The deal is, you get one song for free to show everybody like, okay, this is me. This is my voice. This is where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And then... Other people can donate to the cause, and in exchange for their donation, they can force you to do any song that oh, no. they want. Oh no! So of course, all these, all these, um, I won't say older folks because I don't want to make it sound like I'm, you know, aging them or saying that they're all elderly. They're just I was in my twenties. They were. Probably, uh, I would say a lot of them probably just a, a bit younger than where my parents were at at the time. And they, they kept making donations to get me to sing stuff like one person wanted me to do My Way by Frank Sinatra. One oh. person wanted me to do You Raise Me Up by Josh Groban. So like they're okay. getting me to do ballads and pretty songs because they figured out, oh, I actually have some vocal training. Voice. But the bartender... That his friends were there too, and they uh-huh. kept paying money to have him <laughs> sing stuff like "If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands." I feel like that's how I what I would get roped into, Jeff. People would start like making me sing like "Row, row, row your boat" or something dumb like that. Where <laughs> See, that I thought I thought that was supposed to be the point is that you have fun at people's expense. You get them mm-hmm. to sing these ridiculous songs. You, you you pay money, and then even if they don't want to, like, you get them up and you make them sing Friday by Rebecca Black. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a classic. Now, there were some people I could see them putting their heads together. One person would pay the money, and then the other person would get up, and they would do a song that they obviously wanted to do. And I thought, okay, they figured out how this works. You get somebody else to make the donation so that they're forcing you, and then yeah. you get to do the song that you want. Hmm. But that Strategy. was. I can't believe I've never. I can't believe I've never told you that story. Yeah, no, I haven't heard but that. All before. of that came from my Frank Sinatra impression that I did because we are getting to the end of Ruin and Rising, and yes. that means that in addition to, I mean, we've been in this this trilogy for such a long time now. So mm-hmm. of course we're we're in the middle of planning our trivia smackdown with Danny and Lucero from Zombri Cuervos, mm-hmm. and we're gonna have to do some kind of look back i'm thinking that maybe maybe the best way for us to do it because in the past we've gone back and we've done like a retrospective look at everything that we talked about for the entire book but this time Mm -hmm. since we're moving out of the shadow and bone trilogy and we're moving into um the six of crows duology will be up next i think that we should probably like just do a retrospective on the entire Shadow and Bone trilogy because we've been yeah. with it for nearly two years now and Crap. a lot of things have come up. 
Yeah, I agree with that, Jeff. And I also would say to the listeners, if you guys have any moments from the show, any favorite moments from the books, or anything from season one of the TV show that you would like us to speak about or like us to reminisce on, please send us a DM or send us an email into the pod at gmail.com or into the pod on Instagram. And we can talk about that here too, Jeff, so that we can get the feedback from our, from the lovely listeners too. Oh, yeah. No, I was thinking the same thing because I seem to recall um, when you guys, was it the first year anniversary of PuffCast that you and Melanie like split up the episodes into chunks? Yeah, we had you help us, I think. Yeah, I don't think we could ask our listeners to do that because we've got all yeah, no. in bonus episodes and everything included. We've done about 50 episodes so far. Yeah, but just like their favorite moments, even if they yeah. just tell us like one thing, that's fine. No, I think that's totally fine. We can we can definitely do that. It would be wonderful to get everybody involved in that. But for now, we will focus on getting through the end of Ruin and Rising after we have a little bit of news from the front. news yeah yeah okay so we don't have too much on the news this week listeners uh the first thing is going to be that we have about one month about one month jeff until season two of shadow and bone comes out which we're very excited for exactly one month yes 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 literally yeah literally almost exactly one month (laughs) so very exciting we're thrilled about this and we just can't wait to see what the storyline is that we're going to get because we don't know it's a mashup between six of crows and shadow and bone and truly it could end up being anything but we're very excited well we know the basics we know that there's going to be uh, nikolai and or uh, we're gonna meet nikolai and toy and tamar yay um, Mal and Alina are going to end up having to go back to Ravka after they get the sea whip. You know, that whole thing, I think that's going to have to pretty much stay the way that it is. They're going to get the sea whip, head back to Ravka. They're going to have to deal with Vasily and all of his crap. And, mm-hmm. you know, that part I think is going to stay the same. What's going to intrigue me the most, now that I, I've, I've bought into this idea that they're doing a different sort of thing with the crows, mm-hmm. I'm really really excited to see what they come up with for that because i have no idea the one scene that i know is absolutely going to be huge the payoff is going to be terrific is when jasper and wylan meet for the first time Mm -hmm. we haven't gotten there on this show but you know what it's going to be so long until we get to that part in the book yeah that's gonna be a hot minute oh it's gonna take so long but it is gonna be it is gonna be so worth it and we yeah. are we are definitely going to be texting about yes. this whatever this is show. going on on the show. Yeah. And speaking of the crows, mm-hmm. one of them had a birthday. Yes, yeah, so just a very special happy birthday shout out to Freddie Carter who plays Gaz on the Shadow and Bone Netflix show. Very well, very good actor. We like him a lot. Good yes, casting. very, very talented boy. Do you know what I, I've said before? How much I admire his eyebrows. Mm-hmm. And he has I, a strong I, brow. He does. And I used to think it would be nice when I met him if I could find a way of complimenting him on his exceptional eyebrows and not make it weird. I don't think I can do it. I think when you meet yeah. somebody, if one of the first things that you say to them is how much you admire their eyebrows, it just. I don't think there's a way of doing it that's not weird. I'm going to agree with you on that one, Jeff. So memo to me, memo to me, when I meet Freddie Carter, do not mention his eyebrows. Just Mm -hmm. admire them quietly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, correct, Jeff. Okay, so we do have one exciting thing on the voice of the people. We just got a present. We just, we got, just a got a present. We just, we got, just a got a present. I wonder and we who know it's, where it's from. Hey. Wow, that was actually a really spot on blue impression. Way, way to go. Well, what we got was two very identical and very special, very exciting gifts from our friend and listener, Kaylin. And we just want to give Kaylin a huge shout out because she, like we mentioned in previous episodes, got to go see Lee Bardugo in the flesh live at one of her tour dates and Kaylin let us know that she had a surprise coming to us and 
Jeff, that surprise was a a hand signed copy of the Grishaverse map that says to Jeff and Juliana from Lee Bardugo. I know. It's very exciting. It, what I love about it is, I mean, you and I both have on our walls above our heads as we record. Uh, we have mm-hmm. slightly larger versions of the Grishaverse maps that mm-hmm. I found for us on Etsy so that you've got one yes. and I've got one. And I'm mm-hmm. glad that this version is a different size and this one is autographed by the founder of the feast. So it's the perfect size. I have a spot on the wall where it can go that's that's exactly mm-hmm. right for it. But what I really loved about receiving this gift, other than it was incredibly thoughtful, and thank you so much to Kaylin for, for sending yes. us those. We, we, we love them so much. Is that I get this enormous white tube, and I think, what on earth is in this, this enormous tube? And you do that thing where you shake it, you knock on it, it does nothing, because it's obviously you know tightly wrapped up in there. And then when you pull it out... <laughs> I don't know if you did this or not, but uh-huh. my map had fallen to one end of the tube. So when I opened the tube, I opened the wrong end. And at first, I thought it was empty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I I thought when it came to my house, I was like, did I order a wand that I forgot about or something? And yeah. then I was shaking it. I was like, I don't think so. And I, I opened it, too. And it was at the other side of the tube. I was like, oh, wrong side, because I saw something down there. And I was like, oh, my God. So definitely very, very exciting. And one of my tasks today is to go to the Christmas tree shop and get a frame for it. So we're yeah, going to frame I need it. to get a frame for it too. Yeah. But you, know, I figure you know how many things nice. in my house I need to get a frame for? I have autographs from conventions from last year that I still need to get frames for. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, Jeff, you don't live down the street from me, but I would pick up a frame for you if you did. So in, in spirit, I'm sending you a frame. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. But Kaylin also said, so I thanked Kaylin, and then she said she's, she's happy to do it, and that you you and I, Jeff, have brought her so much joy over the past year since she found the podcast and just wanted to return the favor in whatever way she could. Oh, my self-esteem! My self-esteem! At this point, if yeah. you don't understand that reference, we're not going to tell you what it is. Go back yeah, through the show and it. figure out that reference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're too deep into that hall right now. Uh. It's from Puffs. Okay, fine. I'll give you that. That's all you get for free. You know what? Better yet, uh, go back through the show and find every time we've mentioned Puffs. And if you can come back and tell us exactly how many, then we'll send you a prize. I would love if someone would go back and make a compilation of all the Puffs references and quotes that we have given over the past two years, Jeff. That would be hilarious. Oh my gosh, yes. Yes. Oh, if somebody could go If someone back. does that, I'll send it right to Matt Cox and right to Nick Carrero, and they will probably listen to it and laugh their butts off. Yes, definitely that. As we head into chapter 17, it's funny because we end every episode by saying, see you in the fold. Well, here we we are. Guess where we're going? We're going into the fold. fold. Yeah, I think this is one of the the few times. time. For the, have you thought about this? Our show oh, is yeah, called yeah. Into the Fold. They're going into yeah. the fold for the last time. Do we need to rebrand now? No, we don't need to rebrand now. Okay, if we rebranded every couple of years, we would be Puff Daddy. Yeah, that's true. Or P. Diddy, or... You know what? Sean Combs, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, Diddy... Brother mm-hmm. love, I don't, I don't know what he's, I don't yeah. know what he is now. But the point is, there's no reason for us to rebrand the show. I just thought, you know, it, I just, mm-hmm. as we were preparing for this episode, I thought of the significance of that. We're into the fold, a Grishaverse podcast. Every yeah. episode, we end by saying, see you in the fold. In the fold. And this is the last time we'll be going in there because mm-hmm. they're going to kind it's of destroy, destroy it. it. Yeah. Which is fine, honestly. We didn't yeah. need it. No, Black it's fine. Black really wasn't our color. Mm, uh, we like, do you like a dark red like a deep deep red or a deep green jeff what do you think about that instead of black? i i think black is my color but i li- i like a little mm-hmm. uh, i like a little i here i i i have i have no subtlety when it comes to color i've realized i either like black with a hint of color 
so that it basically should just be black or like I like to go the other extreme with it. Like I love wearing prints now. My mm-hmm. hair is usually fun colors, although my hair is in desperate need of a touch up right now. It needs mm-hmm. a wash, a cut and a touch up. You should get your hair dyed the same color as mine. It is a very nice color. It's copper. You could be copper. You could be a copperhead too. Is? Uh-huh. You know what? I'll look for one that says Todd. You be copper and I'll be Todd. Okay, Oh, cool. actually, no. You know what? Bad, bad metaphor for our friendship, actually. Yeah, doesn't one of them die? No, one of them doesn't die. One of the, They just, they kind of agree. It's, it's a, one of the most unsatisfying endings to a Disney movie that's already very, very sad. Because never mind the part where Todd gets left in the woods for his oh, own yeah. safety. But at the end, they both just kind of agree, I'm a hunting dog. You're a fox. We have our assignments mm-hmm. in life and our friendship is pretty much over. Yeah, so unsatisfying. That's, yeah, that's not really like the best. As far as Disney movies go, that's not really high up there on my list, honestly. No, so. I don't I don't watch that one. But you know, yeah. anyway, so we're getting into the full, but before we do, I have a theory. This moment at the beginning of chapter 17 where um Alina wakes up and there's a pot of tea and apple blossoms all around it. Mm-hmm. I kind of suspect that uh, this was this was a tip that Mal was given by either Jenya or possibly Tolia to to do this to woo Alina. Yeah, like maybe he was making her a pot of tea that he was going to leave her, and one of them was in the kitchen, and they were like, you know, I bet she would really love it if she woke up and there was this lovely trail of apple blossoms around the pot of tea. Yeah, I mean, we kind of all know Mal is not one for romance or subtleties or anything, like, cute. (laughs) No, because it's taken three books for him to be able to get in touch with his feelings enough to be able to just tell Alina how he feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just, yeah, not Juliana's favorite. And (laughs) I agree with you, Jeff. I will confirm that i think your theory is correct that someone else gave him the hint to do this little romantic gesture for our friend alina Hmm. but there there isn't really too much between you know she wakes up there's the tea everybody mm-hmm. gets ready for battle and then they're in yes we are here we are creating illusions with the light yes it's going down yep yep and everyone is alina is very nervous like obviously so and it's kind of interesting because she's kind of reaching out into the darkness feeling for the darkling in a way because they have that connection yeah and we kind of get the measurement of where they're moving in like clicks and she and also relative space between her and the darkling and i feel like it kind of gives the fold an interesting like perspective space wise you know oh yeah that's one of the scariest things about it is that it's like going into a void you don't know where it begins or ends or how far you've actually traveled so thank goodness at one point Mm -hmm. i think she says something like it had been 10 minutes and they realized they traveled about a mile and i was like okay so they're not moving super fast they're moving at about an average runner's pace because an average runner's pace would be about a mile every 10 minutes yeah 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 average person yeah so they're not moving super fast which I think it's probably better for Alina when it comes to her creating the light reflecting shield around this gift that they're on. Yeah. Because I feel like the faster they move, it probably is harder for her to maintain that. I would imagine. And not only that, if it comes to like an abrupt halt, like they have to stop with a vessel, Mm -hmm. it's not the largest vessel, but they're using a lot of different kinds of power all at the same time in order to be able to safely travel. And everybody has to coordinate so precisely. That's why it takes so much preparation to travel into the fold that Mm -hmm. you have to make sure everybody is concentrating, ready, and everybody has to be working together. Yeah, it's definitely a pretty big team effort that needs to happen all at once. And I will say it's nice to see that everyone is working as a team, because as we saw, like some in some of these earlier books, like these people didn't necessarily get all get along but it's nice to see that we've all come to a place where we're like okay we have to defeat the darkling we're in it together huzzah definitely and alina she i i don't know if it's just because she's 
somewhat desensitized after everything that she's been through or if she knows that she really has to focus eyes on the prize because this is the final battle but there's like bodies dropping off of skiffs all around her like there is there is on a scale wise there is a considerable amount of casualties happening around her but she's not really Mm -hmm. reacting to it it's just all it's almost like it's white noise in the background yeah it's definitely interesting to see her so calm when when so much death is i mean just because by comparison there have been a couple of scenes up to now like the first time that they went into the fold at the beginning of the first book yeah when the palace was was being torn apart by the darkling and his legion of backup dancers while Mm -hmm. greedy by ariana grande plays in the background which definitely for sure happened yep that just i mean she she knows that this is the moment this is the part where she breaks free. Yes, more Ariana Grande references. Oh yeah, Jeff. All, all day, every day, Ariana Grande. Her name is hard to say. It kind of is. It's not even that it's a difficult name. It's just that it's one of those names that you don't realize you can trip over until you say it really fast. Yeah, agreed, agreed, agreed. Yeah, I, I think this moment also shows us just like how much Alina has grown as a person from mm-hmm. those initial scenes because she has definitely matured a lot since we first met her, which wasn't that long ago, like retrospectively speaking, like time wise. But she has gone through quite a few things and suffered through quite a few things and learned a lot from the people and situations around her. And I feel like this is the this this scene is the accumulation of all those things coming into play together, essentially, and yeah. making her a stronger human on the whole. No, there's there, there's something I don't get because it's mm-hmm. with Alina. There's a lot of character growth uh-huh. and maturity and development. But what I don't yeah. get is when she's you know connecting with the Darkling when they're communicating with each other. The part that I don't get is when he's listing off you know. I, I need my sun summoner. I need my tracker. It's like, I, I'm still going to hold on to this idea that I'm going to rule everything and everybody's going to answer to me. Fine. But why is he still saying he needs Maul? Maybe because he's still looking for the firebird? Does he not know that they found the firebird already and that that whole thing is done? Because come to I... think of it, he and Alina have not had one of their, you know, psychic Skype, Star Wars communication meetings, mm. whatever you want to call it. They haven't had one since they found the firebird. But if he's connecting with her even now, can he not tell that they've already done that? Is he still holding on to this idea that they're going to find the firebird? I want to say that there's a scene that's coming up in these chapters, Jeff, where the Darkling finally figures it out and learns that Mal is the one. Yeah, I think it's after after Alina kills Mal. The Darkling is like, what are you doing, essentially? And Alina's like, I killed him. And she has like his blood all over him. And the Darkling finally realizes that it clicks in that Mal was the third amplifier. Okay. I, I want to say that's a, that's part of the chapters that we just read, Jeff. I believe you. I mean, I, for some reason, I'm not recalling that moment. But I mean, if you say that, then it, it makes sense to me. Which would I make think sense maybe... why the Darkling still wants the tracker. Yeah, that 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 would make sense. Because I just kind of, whenever it gets to the part where she stabs Maul, I just, mm-hmm. the only thing that I can think is, well, she stabbed him. Even if he survives, she's going to remember she stabbed the guy she's in love with. And... Even though he seems to be dying and she is upset and saying, please save him. And, and I, I still didn't believe he was going to die. I still didn't believe it. Yeah, I thought it was going to die the first time I read it. Obviously, the second I time I read it, I knew that it was happening. Just the fact that there was, there's been a before and an after in each of these books that have been so parallel with each other. I just couldn't see mm-hmm. Lee Dugo creating an after where it's her by herself, still alive, doing everything anything that doesn't Mm, also include mal it just didn't make sense to me and in the moment i'm thinking of alina when she's thinking i don't care about destroying the fold anymore i want mal back never mind Mm -hmm. you know the fate of the rest of the world i'm like okay honey after everything that you've been through haven't you already learned all these important life lessons about perspective i don't want your boy i don't want you to lose your boyfriend either 
even if he's not people's most favorite person, he's obviously very important to you, and you're obviously very important to the readers, so we don't want you to suffer any more than you already have. But just think for a second. If it did come down to you killing Mal in order to destroy the fold, defeat the Darkling, and save humanity, isn't that like a kind of martyrdom, wouldn't you say? Because traditionally... A person cannot be sainted unless they are martyred. I think I have this right. And a person cannot be martyred if they are still alive. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you have to be dead at least like 10 years or something. Because when, I mean, when you look in the, the, the what is it? The life and the history of the saints, mm-hmm. the Sancta Historia. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, all the stories end the same. They perform a miracle. They're called abominations. They die. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think, yeah. So, technically, Alina can't be san- a sancta if she's still alive, technically. See, I don't... Well, and that, that's but their what we, rules don't seem to... Well, yeah, we've talked about that for almost all of these all of these books. We've talked about that. They're already calling her a saint. They're referring to her as Sancta Alina, but she's still alive. Mm-hmm. And by all accounts, she hasn't performed that many miracles yet like she's summoned the sun a few times mm-hmm. when what, what happens in this chapter like i mean and and because of how the ending works out this is the moment to start referring to somebody as a saint if this is the traditional route that you're gonna take because yeah she unleashes her power she becomes ruination and poof the 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 fold is gone the darkling has no power left and then as as we know we'll get to it she ends up deciding the only way i'm going to have any kind of life at all with any kind of peace is if everybody thinks i'm dead so let them call me a saint let them say whatever they want about what happened to me i really don't care but this is how this is how saints are made they sacrifice themselves or they are sacrificed and then their miracles are told over and over again, and they're referred to as saints in mythology. Yeah, and we see Alina make a pretty big sacrifice here. She kills Mal, and in the process of it, ends up giving away kind of all her powers out. I like that part. That's actually yeah. my favorite part, because the, the, the power changes sometimes, the power goes away sometimes, but I actually like that, because what made her so special was she was the only one that had this power, but now it's become this huge Oprah moment. You get a sun summon. You, get, you a get a sun summon. And if you look under your chair, sun <laughs> summoning! I do not do a good Oprah Winfrey impression. I am not even going to attempt that. But the, you know, the point is, you tried, Jeff. It's, well, I did. It's it's clever that this is how it is. It is handled now. Does it remind you? Did you watch Legend of Korra? No. Well, in Legend of, I mean, the did you watch Avatar: The Last Airbender? No. Okay, so in Avatar The Last Airbender, it's called The Last Airbender. He's the only airbender that's left, the Avatar. That's part of his thing. Wait, is that thing. Are you talking about the show or the movie? I'm talking about that movie doesn't exist. We're not talking about that. Because I've seen the movie, actually, of the animated Avatar, the Arrowhead Kid. Not talking about the movie. The movie doesn't exist. Talking about the animated show. He has a buffalo with six legs. Doesn't matter. Not talking (laughs) about that the okay. reason i bring it up is because in the original series avatar the last airbender mm-hmm. he's the only one that has the power to airbend because all the other airbenders were wiped out but yes in the legend of korra the series that came a few years later people are starting to have airbending abilities again and then i i it's complicated it's 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 a lot to get into but there's this like cataclysmic Mm -hmm. event and then suddenly there's all these people all over the world who have airbending powers all of a sudden that don't know what to do with them and it's the exact Mm -hmm. same thing here now you've got all of these other people who have sun summoning powers that won't know what to do with them so they're gonna have to probably be brought to the little palace and taught what to do yeah yep that's true we now have a lot of people who are new Grisha. I was going to say new non-Kazatsia, which is the same thing. But I was like, why would you say that if you just say Grisha? Um, but 
<laughs> Truth, Jeff. But yeah, it definitely is interesting too. And I feel it kind of shows us that I can't remember who says it, but they someone within this book says that like it's a small science because like anyone can do it, but Grisha are just have like the genetic disposition to like be able to do something with some of the elements in this small science. And I feel like we've switched on a gene in all these people who get the Sun Summoner crate now. And they've just had that part of their their part of their personality and their body that was already there activated essentially. Oh, definitely. And you know, we um we haven't we've talked about in the past about how they have a certain level of technology and scientific knowledge and they're advancing those kind of things all the time because that's what, you know, that's what David loves to do. That's what he's best at. So they have, you know, things like chemistry, physics, and they probably have somebody studying something akin to genealogy, like genetics, but Mm -hmm. they don't, really talk about you know the study of people's genetic makeup or Mm -hmm. how something like that can be altered they don't talk about you know genetic mutation they don't refer they they don't use words like mutant Mm -hmm. a lot of these the 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 power that they talk about grisha having even though the power so far as they can understand it is a science which is why they call it the small science what it also Mm -hmm. is is it's more of a spiritual science they don't think mm-hmm. of it as just like a dry science that you can study, you can document, you can identify. And it's so they don't probably even realize it, but they probably have just experienced a genetic mutation, even though that's not what they would call it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I will also say, Jeff, in this chapter, we do have like an actual mutant, too. Oh, you mean uh, uh, Beast from X-Men 3, a.k.a. Nikolai? Yeah, he comes in to save the day. <laughs> I, 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 I don't just love that he comes in to save the day. I love how he does it because it's very, uh, it's to me, it's very, very beast from X-Men 3 because when you meet him at the top of that movie, he's this mm-hmm. big furry blue guy in a suit. He's gotten into politics. He's a mutant, you know, activist in, in the Congress. And then in the battle, he shows up in an X-Men costume. He's ripping heads off. He tries to say something profound. And then he just gives mm-hmm. up, goes back to ripping heads off and says, oh, you get the idea. Rip. Uh-huh. Which is essentially yeah, Nikolai. Nikolai. He shows up, says a clever Nikolai thing, and then goes back to ripping off heads. Yep. Yep. I can't agree with that, Jeff. That sounds he exactly is, right. I mean, t- he is going to have an interesting job because the Darkling, mm-hmm. he's going to die. We're, we're, we are now into the moment where we are going to mm-hmm. say goodbye for now to the Darkling. Yes. And Alina and Mal are going to fake their deaths and retire and um, Nikolai is going to have to form his cabinet. But if you think about mm-hmm. it, at the end of all of this, the one who has the greatest burden on them is Nikolai because he's yeah. assuming, you know, putting together the ruins of Ravka because the people are being much in the next chapter, we see them being much more patriotic. And that's mm-hmm. that's nice. And being, you know, supportive, trying to come together as a country in the face of this disaster, which is also very touching, considering a mm-hmm. lot of them have probably just lost everything. Buildings are destroyed. Yeah. They're unifying and it's beautiful, but they still have no money. They had yeah. no money before this. Now they are screwed. Yeah. Super I screwed. Mean... But Nikolai has got a demon living in his chest, and he is going to have to deal with that because it's going to get harder before it gets easier. Yep. Yep. And, well, Nikolai's a smart guy. We like him a lot. He's done a lot of good things, and I think he's smart enough to get us out of this this pit of not having any money. That's true, but in order to do that, somebody else is going to have to help him figure out what he's going to do about the demon living in his chest because he doesn't know anything about that. Ooh, okay. Well, listeners, stay tuned for that. But now we must bid adieu to the world's foremost Ariana Grande drag impersonator. No tears left to cry for the Darkling. R.I.P. Darkling. And the last thing that he wants is for Alina to call him by his name, Alexander. And you know what? 
I'm, yeah, I'm going to say it. It's a touching moment. For all the terrible Darkling things the Darkling has done, it is a tender moment, this this final parting between him and Alina. Yeah. For some reason, this moment and the moment we'll get a little bit later where she just says his name out loud, like those just like hit real hard for me. I don't know why, but those are like some of my favorite moments. I think it's because it's such an intimate thing that he's only shared with Alina. And I, for me, I'm like, it's such a big secret. And also like when I heard them use it on the TV show, I was like, what the actual fuck? Um, oh yeah. I Sometimes was pissed. You don't... <laughs> Sometimes you don't realize the emotional impact that a character has had, whether they be good or bad until you take them away. It's a literary yes. example of you don't know what you got till it's gone. Sometimes you yeah. don't even, and you may not even realize exactly why it's affecting you so much until you take time to sit and reflect on it. But yeah. like him or not, the Darkling is a character that has become such an important part of this narrative to the readers. Mm -hmm. And some people, you know, they still stand the Darkling. They still ship the Darkling mm -hmm. and Alina, even though he's essentially Stormy McBad guy, as uh, uh, Lee Bardugo once once said. His you know name is very obvious. And yes, the Darkling has done awful thing after awful thing. And yet somehow you, it, it's because you know that deep down the Darkling still has that you know that kid at heart that still wants to believe that there's something good worth holding on to, that there's something noble and important about the mission that they started off trying to achieve such a long time ago, that they're more than just an extension of their mother's power, the way they, you know, they probably felt for a long time when they were born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have Alina thinking about how the Darkling also was just so... He, he reached a point where his actions were so convoluted, but his main purpose was always just to defend Ravka. Like, he loved Ravka at, at his core, and she finds that a little bit sad that he's kind of had had that mission in his heart, but didn't really execute it perfectly in any capacity. Uh, but I don't know, I just, I love the Alexander moment for some reason. I think it's so good. It's just, it hits me hard in the chest. I'm like, oh, wow. And every time I listen to the, when I listen to the um, audiobook, I go, Alexander, with, with Lauren Fortgang. Um, mm -hmm. It's just Very well executed, moment. that moment. Yes. She's great. Anyone who she's hasn't listened so to the audiobooks, great. she's great at doing all the different character voices. I love it. I think she's fabulous. We have a lot of, like, kind of, wrapping up moments in this last chapter as you do in the end of every book essentially yeah um, and some of, of them like... some of them we've touched on a little bit but uh mm -hmm. the, i'll tell you the one the, the last chapter it started mm -hmm. off with this oh teapot and apple blossoms moment this one yeah. it's so cute it is so cute. Misha comes running up to Alina his hands are covered in flour because he's been baking Oh, little baker. It reminds yeah. me, I love it so much because it reminds me of all these TikTok videos. Like, I, I, the only person who ever sends me anything over TikTok is my wife. She sends me videos mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's cute and it's fun because we'll be sitting there at lunch. I'll be watching something on my phone while, while we're on lunch break at work. And then she'll send me something over TikTok and then she'll kind of tap me on the shoulder and point at my phone, like, here, I, I sent you something that you should watch. And it's always these adorable videos of other people's kids. And Aww. it's it's cute because lately it's it's like it's it's kids trying to do grown up stuff or kids, you know, trying uh -huh. to make stuff. Like last night it was a kid um with their mom making mug cake for the first oh, okay. time. And it's clear this kid doesn't know what mug cake is. My favorite part is yeah. like toward the end, the mug cake is done. She's just about to taste it, but the kid is getting bored and she says, Mommy, can I go do something else? I remember that. <laughs> I remember be That's when you're cute. a kid, you get excited about stuff, but then if it takes too long and you have a short attention yeah. span, you're like, can I go mm -hmm. do something else? I'm but, uh, bored. Little Misha, yeah, little Misha wanting to bake stuff, and Mal and Alina. I mean, it was obvious a few chapters back they're going to be mm -hmm. his new mommy and daddy, and that is yeah. so precious. Yeah, it's very cute. I'm glad that we get that, and it's a much happier ending for Misha than really any other options that he had. I would say. 
Definitely. Um, and I got, and, I, you know what? I'm one mm-hmm. thing about this chapter that I'm not really that all that happy about. I don't like that Harshaw's death was off screen. I think we knew he was going to die. They just, that seemed to be the way that they were writing him. And honestly, fine. If he was going to go, then he was going to go. That's probably how he would prefer it. But Mm -hmm. I really, I wish we had gotten like a clever line and then he snaps his fingers and he makes this enormous, like the biggest fireball he's ever made. And he takes out like a record breaking number of Mm -hmm. monsters and then he, you know, erupts in a giant blaze of glory. I think like, that would be maybe a great he way wasn't, to go. Maybe he wasn't considered an important enough character. Like he was just yeah. important enough for them to mention that he died. Mm-hmm. But it's also curious. Um, in a way, it's a kind of um, acknowledging his importance that when Alina is thinking on all the people that have died because of this battle, we saw mm-hmm. all the other people that she names. Like we saw their deaths, but he's the one death that we find out about afterwards. Yeah, it is definitely interesting why they didn't why Lee didn't do that. So, I guess that's just a question to ask later when we eventually, hopefully, have her on the show at some point. But we shall see about that. Um, but we do get a lot of like nice little wrapping up points here. We see what Nikolai is up against. He is uh, headed out to. Make himself the head of the country. I can't remember. What are they calling him now? Because um, he's making the joke about how, him... they're, how they're going to call him the bastard king. And Alina's like, no, I've actually heard you calling. Oh, king of the king of scars, isn't it? That's it. Duh. We should Aha! remember that. It's in Da-da! the series. Of yeah. course. Yeah. So Alina like reassures him. She's like, "Oh, well, I've actually heard people on the streets calling you King of Scars, whatever that translates to in Robkin." And he's like, "Ooh, okay, I can roll with that one. I got that one. That's fine. That's cool. That's chill." There are some sentences that you don't forget. One of uh-huh. those is Ilya Moritzova on the back of a unicorn playing a balalaika. Hmm. Yeah. That's a tattoo that I would get. I think that you should, Jeff. Well, if I hadn't already, you know, had it planned out and on the books, I might have considered getting that for my um, tattoo when I go to Literary Inc. at the beginning of March. Yeah, I mean, you still have time. You might be able to redo it. You never know. Mm, No, because the the tattoo that I'm getting at Literary Inc. is a tattoo that I've been meaning to get for years. And when I pitched it to the artist that I'm going to be working with, she was so excited by it that I'm not going to I'm not going to do that now. Oh, that's nice, Jeff. So it's definitely going to happen. Okay, well, we'll have to keep our eye out for that then. Uh, I take it back. There's two things in this chapter I don't like. What don't you like, Jeff? Okay, I gave you that the first one was that we don't get to see Harshaw go out in a blaze of glory. We find out about his death after the fact, but you can probably guess what the other thing is in this chapter that I don't like. Is it that the apparat comes back? Yes! It's not yeah. that he comes back. It's he that gets pardoned. Nikolai, yeah, Nikolai pardons him because he says he needs his support. I hate that he's right. I don't buy it. I, I buy it. I 100% buy it because the apparat might be a stupid, self-righteous, cheating, lying asshat. jerk asshat. Yes, thank you. But he still has a tremendous amount of popular support in the spiritual community, and Nikolai is going to need that. Yeah, that's true. Because Nikolai, at this point, pretty much needs everyone on his side. And I guess that means the the apparat, too. I would kill him. I would kill him, but I would kill him for the wrong mm-hmm. reasons. I wouldn't kill him because he didn't okay. die, because he had broken any particular laws. I would kill him purely because I hate his stupid face and because he hurt my friends and because he's going to do slimy, jerky, selfish, underhanded stuff if I don't kill him. Um, I would agree with that, Jeff. I agree. He is a not nice person who is out to do not nice things. So I would love to murder the apparat. When do you want to do this? Today? Tomorrow? After dinner? What are you thinking? Oh, tomorrow's no good for me. Why don't we do it Friday? Mm -hmm. I don't have anything on Friday. 
Okay, Friday sounds. We're just gonna have to do it quickly though, because Saturday I have Mm -hmm. to make a road trip to see my family, and we're gonna have to clean up after probably. So we'll do Mm -hmm. it Friday. So on Friday we're gonna kill the apparat. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, great, perfect. We can we can throw him on the giant pile of wood in my backyard that used to be a deck that I smashed with a sledgehammer, and we'll just light it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a pyre. Oh, speaking of pyres. Yes, Jeff. That's where we end up. Yes, that is where on we end pyre up. On a pyre with the Darkling and Alina. Yeah. Well, not the, Alina. Uh, a body that Alina. is made to look like Alina. I was going to say it's interesting because Alina doesn't like the fact initially that someone else has been tailored to look like her to be on the pyre. Not that someone that they killed on purpose, but someone who was just one of the casualties of the fight. Not that That's it makes true. her death any sad, any less sad, but she's really uncomfortable with it. But Toya and Tamar actually talk to her, and they're like, "Hey, like it would be like her greatest honor to be rever- revered as you on her way out." Yeah. So it's sweet that Alina is concerned about her family not being able to bury her, but I mean they have a point. She believed in Alina. She died anyway. And mm-hmm. it would be nice for her to be somewhere realizing that the last thing her body was able to do was provide an out. What I find interesting about the end of this chapter is that nobody is really saying to Alina, no, don't go. No, don't do it. No, I'm going to miss you too much. Like everybody is very much on board with this idea of, look, we have to fake your death and you guys have to get out of here and go into witness protection, assume new identities, start up a whole new life everything is going to be completely fine. Yeah. I, I think it's nice, though, because it makes the choice of her for her to step back a lot easier because it would be so much harder if her friends were like, no, Alina, don't leave us. And I feel like they make it much more bearable in a lot of ways. One, because Mala's going with her, and we know that's how she wants to live the rest of her days is with that asshat douche canoe of a human being. Why? Um, but also... The fact that she's getting support from her friends and they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that you're all set. We'll make sure we tailor you so you can get out of here and get you a nice safe spot to live. And we'll also make sure that you're, as we'll learn in the next section, your orphanage is well supplied with everything that you need. So I think, I think they make the choice for her to step back a lot easier than it could have been if they had been like, no, don't leave us. We love you, Melina. That's true. That's true. She has good friends. <laughs> she does have good friends, and it's and they can probably find a way of seeing each other every now and then if they want to. It's just that they are going to have to lead very different lives because everybody else is going to have to be a part of Nikolai's cabinet. And boy, is he going to need a cabinet. He is literally putting everything back together from scratch. His advisors, his cabinet, his house, his clothes probably i don't know oh i mean yeah his clothes are probably a hot mess let's be real here so <laughs> hot yeah, mess and... <laughs> some people apparently feel like the darkling has no business mm-hmm. sharing a pyre with a saint and when you yeah. read that through the first time you're just like well i can definitely see what they mean but when you've read the entire Grisha verse, as we have, and you know where a lot of this stuff is headed, you think, mm-hmm. yeah, put a pin in that. It's gonna, it's gonna come up. Yeah. You know, the Darkling Saints, the Darkling Saints. Saints. Yeah, for Possibly. Saints' sake. Yeah, you never know. But yeah, it definitely is interesting and it is interesting what we know about what's going to happen further. And also, if anyone has read The Lives of Saints, the little book companion book that goes along with this series, you will note that the Darkling is in there as a saint. Aha, because the Hmm. published version of The Lives of the Saints came out after that appeared in the books. If they had published The Lives of Saints immediately following this Shadow and Bone trilogy, I don't think that Mm -hmm. would have been the case. I I agree with you, Jeff, but we're going to have to let the listeners figure out why that is on their own. I suppose so. You know what? A lot of them have probably read all the way through the series, and they've probably read the Sancta Historia anyway. So we'll just move into 
the final after. We've had after. three befores and three afters. Because remember, mm-hmm. in the first book, they start off at an orphanage as children, and they are boy and girl. And by the end of mm-hmm. the book, they are boy and girl on a ship headed somewhere. And the yes. beginning of Siege and Storm, they are on a ship trying to make the best of it. And at the end, they are forced underground by a bunch of jerky, jerk, religious nuts, and they are not in a good place. At the top of mm-hmm. the third book, they are boy and girl, again, trying to make the best of it. But now they are finally actually happy. They're still boy and girl, but they're back where they began. They are they are the ones taking care of the orphans now, but they're back at an orphanage. Yeah, they're the ones who are in charge, which is really nice because they're actually good, like, orphanage parents. What would you refer to those? Keepers? Keepers of the orphanage? I'm... Well, Unsure see, how we would... They don't really make it clear because if they are in charge of... See, it's I, I don't think this is like a what people would think of as an orphanage where people come by and plan to adopt these children. It's, I think, more like a foster home situation. Yeah, I think, where if they get adopted, it's good, but if not, it's not yeah, unheard of. The word, yeah. We've never really thought about this very much because they come by and they test the children who live at the orphanage to see if they have Grisha power, but they never say a word about whether or not people are coming by to consider adopting these children and raising them as their own. I think they just use the word orphanage because it's an archaic, you know, it's an antiquated almost term for a child who is being kept in a home so that they have a place to live, but they themselves have no actual parents. I think it's more of a foster home situation because I don't think they're, you know, having people come by and adopt these kids. I think this is their foster family. Yeah, it's like their so home. So we could probably think of them as foster parents. Gotcha. With a wide variety and an ever-growing number of small children and medium-sized children and probably large children, too. All yeah. Children. It's like what Joe and her husband end up doing in The Little Men, the sequel to Little Women. You ever read that? No, I've read Little Women though. I read I've it also once been because I was in a play version. I was in a theatrical version of Little Women when I was in high school, and my mom kept insisting mm-hmm. I needed to read Little Men, so I did. And that's what happens. Ah. Joe, one of the characters, she marries that you know Friedrich, the older gentleman. They retire to the country and they open up a home for boys. Oh, okay. So fun, this is essentially fact, that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Little Women, Louisa May Alcott. Her house is in Massachusetts, and I've been to it. Many times, actually. And the schoolhouse that she learned oh, in. Oh, is it a nice house? Yeah. I mean, it's a very it's a very typical, like, revolutionary, a little bit after revolutionary age, New England-style, Massachusetts-style house. But it's, yeah. If, if Anyone who's been to Massachusetts and been to, like, Old Sturbridge Village or Plymouth Plantation, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's exactly that. So, but it's cute. And that's where she lived, so. I live near some grant also. Edgar Allan Poe also kind of lived up here. Edgar Allan Poe, did he ever really live? I mean, he just sort of drifted through the world as this sad, gothic, little, you know, mm. emo ghost who slowly died of alcoholism after falling in love with a bunch of women, all of whom ended up dying. Most of them from consumption, one of them from a brain tumor. Look it up. Other fun fact, Jeff. When I was living in Richmond, Virginia, I lived about a quarter of a mile from the place where he died. I thought he died in Maryland. Oh, I don't know. That's what they told me. It's the Edgar Allan Poe house. It's in it's in Richmond, Virginia, down on Main Street. And well, that might have been where his house was when he died. I I, I may be misremembering, but the ner- we did a whole unit on Edgar Allan Poe when I was in the eighth grade. And what I remember, which I could be remembering wrong, is that he was in Baltimore. And one of the last things that he went through before he died was some people basically got him super drunk on Baltimore lemonade, which according to my teacher is 5% lemonade, 95% vodka. They got him drunk on Baltimore lemonade. They got him to stuff a bunch of ballot boxes so that somebody could win an election. And then he was so sick with alcohol poisoning that he ended up in a hospital for several days while he was attempting to recover his health, which obviously did not work. He sat up just long enough to say, God have mercy on my soul, and then he died. 
You said, where did you say he died again, Jeff? I want to say that it was in Maryland. And I want to say specifically that it was in Baltimore. You're right. It is in Baltimore. The one in Virginia was place where he lived before he lived there. And there's also the Edgar Allan Poe house in Boston, too. See, there are some things that your eighth grade English teacher says to you that you never forget. One of those things is Edgar Allan Poe said, God have mercy on my soul immediately before he died. The other is Baltimore lemonade is 5% lemonade, 95% vodka. Nice. Yeah, I remember I came home from school. I told my I told my mom that what we had learned that day, and when I told her that part, uh, apparently she would rather my eighth grade English teacher had not told us that. Yeah, I mean, my mom probably would have been mad too. Like, let's be real here. My mom yelled at me when I said "suck" in the sixth grade. She's like, "That's a swear." I was like, "I don't think that's a swear." It's enough, not. <laughs> it's not something you want a sixth grader to say necessarily, yeah, but it's not, not a swear. A swear. Yeah. But, okay, so I think that pretty much rounds out our discussion on the books, Jeff. Yep, that's it. The last thing that I want to say about this final after is that it really warms my heart that Misha is here with Alina and Mal and Oncat, because even though Harshad did not survive the onslaught, Oncat did, and they kept him. They've got this home in the country. They got all these kids. They're together. And it's just, it's a, it's a nice ending. It's a fitting ending. It feels comfortable. It's just obvious enough that you hoped for it and you were glad it happened, but it's not so cliche or anticlimactic that you're like, oh, okay, happily ever after. It's like happily ever after, but with scars on it. That's something that a true YA mm-hmm. fantasy fan can really get into. Yeah, we have two characters that actually visibly have scars on them, too. No kidding. I've got a game for you. Oh, boy. I saw that there's a title here, but I, I'm not yeah. exactly sure what we're doing, but that's okay. I'm ready for it. You know, Jeff. We've played this game, game before. Okay, I thought we had, but I couldn't remember exactly what no, the rules were. No, we played this game before. Yeah, this is our version of, um, like, oh, on, on podcast. You, yeah, yeah, on podcast, ah. you guys have Are You Puffing Kidding Me, where you get gotcha. one thing and you have to decide if it's true or not. This is our version gotcha. of Two Truths and a Lie. We haven't played it for a long time, which is why I thought we should play it now. But we're going to okay. play Two Bagras and an Apparat. So just for oh, okay. anybody who may have forgotten, when we play Two Bagras and an Apparat, I give you three facts. I'm going to give you two things about me that are true and one thing about me that is not true. And you have to decide. I will let you ask me one question about each thing that I am telling you to decide which one of these is the lie. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. I own 45 Funko Pops from My Hero Academia. Okay. I own four pairs of colored contact lenses. Okay. I own five Stephen King novels in hard copy. You may ask me one question about each of those things. What color contacts do you own? Um, I have yellow i have pink i have gray and i have blue what's the last my hero academia funko pop that you've got the last funko pop that i bought was tetsu 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 Tetsu. I know that doesn't sound like a name, but it's a name. That is the character's name. Okay. What was the third item? Sorry, Jeff. The third item was I own five Stephen King novels in hard copy. Why specifically do you own these in hard copy and not paperback? Some of them were gifts that were gotten for me because people know I love to read. Some of them I got on sale at a bookstore because I love to check. Anybody who's been in the clearance section of a Books A Million knows that there's bound to be a couple of Stephen Kings in there. 
And some of them were actually, I guess you would call them donations, people getting rid of books in their own library. And they said, uh, you can have some of these if you want. And everybody's got Stephen King novels in their house. So I got yeah. one from, I know I got one from my grandfather and I got one from uh, my friend Linda that I used to go to church with. Okay. Thank you, Linda, for that book. Um, and Grandpa. Okay, Jeff, I want to say, because I feel like you own more colors than this, and it took you a minute to think of all the colors, that the lie is the fact that you only own four different color contacts. How many colors do you think I have? At least five. At least five? Yeah. Okay. That's your answer. Mm -hmm. You think that the four color contacts is a lie? Correct. Nope. Oh, damn it. Was it the Stephen <laughs> King books? <laughs> yes, it was the Stephen King That was books. my second guess. <laughs> now, here's the fun thing. Um, I hesitated while I was naming off the colors because that was a deception. Oh, your ass hat. <laughs> deception. Ah. Now, now, here's the really fun part, though. I said I own five Stephen King novels in hard copy. The truth mm -hmm. is I own one Stephen King novel in hard copy. I used to own a lot more. See, the part about me getting one from my grandfather, that was true. I had a collection of Richard Bachman stories, which was a pen name that he used, but I donated uh -huh. that one because I realized I'd had it for a long time and was never going to get around to it. And the one about me getting one from my friend Linda at church, that was technically also true, but I donated that one too because the book that she gifted me was The Last Stand, which is one of his longest and most complicated to understand books. So yeah. I was probably never going to read that one. There were, like, I used to have a copy of Dr. Sleep, but I donated it because I saw the movie and said, okay, I don't need to read this. Oh, okay. Interesting. Now, I do yeah. have five Stephen King audiobooks in my library. Oh, okay. So you I have, have a bunch of stuff, Jeff. Oh, yes. I have It, The Dead Zone, Needful Things, The Institute, and the Long Walk. Technically, I think The Long Walk was one of those stories he published under the pen name Richard Bachman, but when I look it up now, it says Stephen King on it. Oh, okay. I think it Let's actually see. says The Long Walk, a Richard Bachman story, but the mm -hmm. official, like, on Audible, it says by Stephen King. But anyway, yeah, that was the that was the apparat it was something oh. that was technically not true yeah see that's what makes that game tricky you got tricky jeff's a tricky 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 he's a get tricky tricky what no i think i'm doing the electric slide it's time to get funky funky that's funky, not the electric funky. slide that's the cha-cha slide oh is it <laughs> yeah Oops, the daisies. Oh, well. That's all good. So, it's time for our question of the week. And our question of the week to all of you for next episode is to let us know what were your favorite moments in the Shadow and Bone trilogy? And as an addition to that, if you had any favorite moments from the show that you'd like to just shout out, we would love to kind of have a little walk down memory lane in regards to reading the books and... I think, Jeff, you and I, our take on how these books are uh, interpreted is definitely part of this podcast. So that would be fun to talk about that, too. Absolutely. Yes. And if you'd like to send us an answer, you can email us or DM us over on Instagram. And listeners, I think next time we meet, if this works out, uh, there may or may not be a trivia smackdown coming your way. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. That one's probably going to take a little while to organize. You know what? The next time we get together, we might just have to go ahead and do our Hellbent reflection. So since oh, that's we've, a good idea. Because we want to yeah. do something really special for our wrap-up of the Shadow and Bone trilogy before we get into the... Uh, before we get into the Six of Crows duology. So we're going to take some time to make sure that that's 
extra special mm-hmm. for everybody. And if we're yeah, going to do our usual trivia smackdown with Danny and Lucero, we're probably going to have to make sure that when we do that, that it's going to be something that they have uh, plenty of time for. So we yeah. will probably, the next time, we don't know exactly, but it will probably be um, our Hellbent um, Reflection episode. Okay. Well, listeners, thank you so much for joining us today and coming on this journey of almost two years to get to the end of this point where we are right now. And <laughs> it's, yeah, I know. That makes me feel old, Jeff. I'm like, oh my God. Um, but listeners, if you'd like to get in contact with us here on Into the Fold podcast, you can listen to us while all, we're all in our little And listeners, if you'd like to get in contact with us over here on Into the Fold podcast, you can listen to us on places where all pods are cast and you can also listen to us over on youtube at into the fold podcast and our instagram is at into the fold pod you can keep up with us you can keep in touch with us and you can keep us close to your hearts you know if you keep your phone in your jacket or coat pocket close to where your heart is yeah or like your butt but that's none of our business if that's where you keep your phone fine just don't don't tell us and if you would like to send us an email with any of those lovely que- answers to our question or any favorite moments that you have either from the books or the show, you can email us at intothefoldpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like, which we have a lovely picture of one of these up on our Instagram right now, you can get a custom piece of Grisha Kefta art made by yours truly or some other pins and stickers for our podcast on the Grisha Trading Post on Etsy. And we would love to have some more ratings and reviews from you guys to let us know how we're doing over on Apple Podcast or Spotify, wherever you listen, so that we can share them here on our show. And if you'd like to tell people you know who would enjoy this podcast to give us a listen, we would highly appreciate it. The best way to spread a podcast is by word of mouth. And until next time. For the last time, we will see you in the fold, even though it is... The only thing that we know for sure, like this, this adorable scene, I cannot wait for this scene. The payoff is going to be huge where Jesper and Wyland. Yes, Wyland. Thank you. I forgot. (laughs) You know what I just said? (laughs) I think you just told me to go fuck myself. And possibly. Um... You'll never know. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> okay, so what's in the voice of the people? What'd we get? Yes. Okay, well, that stop, rounds stop, out stop. our pause, news pause, section. Pause. Doop, doop, doop. Making notes for myself. Yes. And. I was just saying how long we would wait. <laughs> oh, okay. You good? Do we have a good enough break there for you? Never more, never more, never. Never more, never more, never. Did you ever hear that? No, but I'm going to jam out anyway. Let's quote the Raven. I've, like, I want to say it was the Alan oh, wait, Parsons think... Project or, or somebody. Somebody. I, I don't know if it was just a song or like a whole concept album. I just remember that whole thing being about like, that song at least was inspired by the Raven. Speaking of Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Would have been a great time to bring that up. <laughs>